I think it's more, I've got two daughters, you know, nine and six. And yeah, I think I can count on one hand how often they've been ill the entire time in, in almost 10 years. And it's amazing. I'm thinking, well, well why isn't that me? If right. they've got my genes, how come I didn't get a vision of that? Oh, exactly. <laughs> you know, just get sick, no matter what's going around. Um, I wanted to catch up with you again, because we talked just before Christmas yes. on your show. And, and of course, one of my first few interviews I ever did was okay. on the Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio. Was it really? With you and your lovely mother, who I adore. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just such a fun time. And I think Jeff, Jeff was there as well in that particular. Yes, episode. yes. It was really just such a nice intro and catch up. And I just realized that there's hardly any examples that I know of anyway, with people talking to you about your experience of researching Bigfoot, of going out there and, and how you got into the subject yourself. You know, you're always the one asking questions and fielding the answers. So I, I want to know, how did you get um, involved in this? And clearly it's not just you, it's mom as well, you know, so what's the, what's the origination story? Um, okay, so I am what's called a legacy Bigfoot researcher. So okay. what that means is my mother started researching, she brought me up in the Bigfoot community, and now I have a third generation that I'm raising, my two boys, and they're coming up in the Bigfoot field. So um, they're legacy Bigfoot researchers as well. Um, so my mom, she, when I was about nine years old, uh, her and my father had divorced when I was young. And when I was about nine years old, I had lived with her up until that point. And my dad had um, a son with his new wife and I wanted to go live with them and the baby, right? Like I had a baby brother. I was so excited. So I moved to Oklahoma. Well, my mom, you know, she was alone and um, she got on a um, chat room. So back then there was pal talk. And so she was going through the different chat rooms, just kind of, you know, she was lonely and she found a chat room about Bigfoot and she's listening to these people and she just, she's just laughing. She's like, these people are crazy. They're so <laughs> stupid. Oh my gosh. She was just, she would go in there on the weekend nights and she would just laugh and laugh at these people that thought Bigfoot was real. Right. Until at one point, one of them played a noise and it made the hair on the back of her neck stand up because she had heard that noise before and it had terrified her when she had heard it, but she didn't know what it was. Um, and it had always been in the back of her mind. I don't know what that is. And then she hears it on this Bigfoot thing. So she starts paying attention and she starts learning. She starts getting to know these people. She eventually goes on outings with these people. She's looking for Bigfoot. She's looking for evidence in her own area. She lived in this great little, um, like, um, uh, like a little neighborhood. It was next to a lake, but it was in the forest. And so um, it was just a little retirement community off in the middle of the woods by a lake. And so um, she would go out in the woods and she would collect, you know, evidence and she would, you know, collect all this stuff. Well, when I was there, I would go with her, right? So mm -hmm. I would go, normal kids go to Disneyland or they go to church camp or whatever during the summer. I was out in the woods looking for Bigfoot with my mother. I would wow. um, learn to cast tracks. I learned to collect evidence. I learned to um, sort data different and, and compare data and learn all about analysis of different data. So um, one of my fondest memories is besides the outings where we would camp together, you know, was um, we did a, a lunar database of all the sightings by the lunar cycle. And I mean, I was young when I did this, I was wow. preteens. And so this is something that she and I did together. You know, I would type it in and she would give me the next bit of info. And um, so this is the kind of stuff I grew up doing, mm. um, collecting, you know, just taking pictures of different tree formations and learning all about this because you have to think this was 20 years ago. So back mm. then we didn't have the information readily available. Like now we had, chat rooms, forums, and basically each other. Um, and back then there weren't as many of us as there are now. There weren't as many researchers. There wasn't finding Bigfoot to make this topic okay to talk about around the water cooler. Mm. You know, that um, say what you want about the finding Bigfoot guys and girl, um, but the, 
that it was very taboo until that show came out and that oh, show absolutely. opened the door mm. that show opened the door for people to be able to talk about their experiences to be yeah. interested in the topic um so pre finding bigfoot when we started out um it, all we had to learn from was each other back then and it's still kind of the same now but there were so few of us then um so you know i was out there in the woods with her doing this and so i grew up looking for bigfoot and um wow. so it was funny a couple years ago i had started working on a book and i i had asked my mom i said you know um i told her about the premise of the book and everything and she just laughed and she said i think it's so interesting because when you were little she said you used to tell me mama i hate bigfoot because <laughs> it took up all her spare time right she was obsessed with it so passionate about it and um i hated it because i felt like it took her away from me right um and so now fast forward 20 years later here i am yeah. i have my own podcast i've traveled all over the united states i have friends all over the world that are into the same subject my kids are now into this and being brought up as little researchers wow. so it's it's you know it's a big deal um I've had a lot of experiences over the years. I've talked to over 300 researchers, if not more, about this topic. Mm. I have never had a confirmed sighting. It it sucks, but it is what it is. Um, it's a rare thing. I mean, you know, we know about the ones that happen, or mm -hmm. some of the ones that happen, even. Mm -hmm. But the, it's a rare thing, it and is. I think that's that's um, it's a strange thing sometimes. I think when I'm looking through the net. I'm looking mm -hmm. every sort of research team has a set of footprints. Sometimes I'm dubious about it. I think yes. it's a very rare thing. And I'm yes. almost glad sometimes not to have ever had a sighting of any yes. type of cryptid whatsoever because yeah. I don't have skin in the game in a way. I can still be right. that person that looks at the evidence. And so maybe that's that's yeah. the same with you. You know the genre. You know yes um you know what what the red flags are you will know what the mm -hmm. green flags are yeah and yet you know yeah. one, a, a seer is a knower is a believer mm -hmm. believers have a faith that, that can't be questioned so it's right not a thing right? Mm -hmm. what would you say to, to people out there who just because of course it is a much wider genre than it used to be similarly yeah. when i um started getting to this almost 30 years ago now actually um i was quite young maybe more <laughs> 47 so i think yeah you know it's like a long yeah. time ago there were like you say chat rooms or there mm -hmm. were little groups or occasionally there were meetings but right. they were full of quite strange people usually you know? there were some weird ones there yeah still there were some but... weird ones and you know it was it was a take the rough with this move but now again it there's a sort of an acceptability about it mm -hmm. but within that wide dissemination or popularity do you think that stops us from uh, getting serious evidence or serious research done because people are kind of just tramping around trying to find content for their, mm -hmm. their pages? What do you um, think then? No, I think, I think the dissemination of the research and the evidence gets a little bit saturated. Like if there, it, there, yeah. it, there's a lot of information out there. So if you type in Bigfoot evidence, 90% mm. of what you pull up is dubiable, right? Mm. Um, but I think the people out there, I think a, a good portion of them have um, the best interests at heart. Like they, they really are trying to do this um, in a way with integrity. Um, but there are some, of course, that have that will do it for attention. There are some mm. that um, don't have integrity when they do it. And that that's that sucks. Honestly, um, mm. I talked about this on a show the other night. It just hoaxers frustrate me very, very much. It's yeah. uh, it's my hot button, you know. Um, but, you know, there have been attention seekers from the very beginning of Bigfoot that have tried to make things up so that I think even nowadays, it's just they have a bigger platform to get out and do that. But I think with, you know, verse, we had like chat rooms and forums. I think now we have these YouTube channels and we can take people out in the woods with us mm. and show them, you know, instead of saying, um, 
typing, this is how I cast a track, you can go out there and show them how to cast a track. You can show them um, this is a good looking habitat for a Bigfoot in southwest or southeastern Oklahoma, you know, where I live. Like you can go out there and you can teach. So I think the people that are using this to educate or even um, journal their research, you know, I think that's respectable. That's awesome. Mm. I think the ones that obviously just want the views and the monetary benefit from it, um, nuts to them. Great. If they, if that's what they want to do, but just, I think some of them probably shouldn't call themselves researchers. Um, because I mean, (laughs) yeah, I I feel the same way rough with the smooth. I, I, in one way, I've always felt slightly like, um, how can I put it as a, as an outsider to it, you know, somebody that's come to it officially later in mm-hmm. life to start doing it just from a fanboy point of view, like a <laughs> fanboy that took it too seriously in mm-hmm. a way and decided to have a midlife crisis and get involved. Yeah. And um, yeah. And in that way, you know, I don't want to be deemed as being unacceptable as part mm-hmm. of the team either. Everybody, right. it, it's open. It doesn't belong to anybody. I, you know, I right. get that totally. I do wonder sometimes because at some stage there has to be some kind of scientific yes uh, uh, discipline applied to the thing and I know there's Absolutely. people like, like yourselves like Jeff Milgram like everybody else that's out to, that's doing it mm-hmm. but it's kind of strange it has a cult-like status and I think if we're all out there looking for new, some new uh, undiscovered species of deer it wouldn't be so fantastical you know, right. we just say, oh, okay, that look hoof marks. They don't appear to be identifiable compared right. to the, the species that we know. And on you go. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a real difference between someone's a rock star of cryptozoology, right? <laughs> yes. not an undiscovered frog in Papua New Guinea. Right. It's, it's really serious. It's um, this mythical creature. Yeah, it's almost yeah. mythical in a way. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I remember going to Loch Ness in 2019 to check out a photo and a sighting. Mm-hmm. from a well-established uh, British military historian, a writer. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the guy hoaxed the whole thing. You know, I spent the whole week there and mm-hmm. uh, he faked a flu at the time. I went up to see it and checked out the entire area day and night for, for a whole week. I thought, well, if it's a recent sighting, the guy's reputable. Mm-hmm. Now let's get up here. And that's, that's, you know, that's a frustrating thing. It's so <laughs> frustrating. I always... You know, I, I won't, I'll try not to get on my soapbox, but thing, the thing about the hoaxer mindset that gets me is how selfish they are. Yeah. Um, you have to be inherently selfish to be a hoaxer or plagiarizer or whatever, because, you know, you have these thousands and thousands of researchers who are taking time away from their lives, their families, their jobs, they're spending their own resources, they're you know, using their bodies and and equipment to go out and document this unnatural phenomenon, right? And for you to do this, when we're already fighting the media and the world to take us seriously, Mm -hmm. and then you go do this, and invariably you get caught every time. So you take us five steps back from where we have been fighting to get to, you know, and it's, it's very frustrating. And um, I could go on and on about hoaxers, but to me, what bothers me the most is that they get away with it. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no recourse for them. Like they just, they get away with it. And there, a lot of them have these people that just accept them back into the fold and let them keep being a researcher. And I'm like, if you have faked anything, I don't, I don't trust you ever again. Like, I don't care oh, if it was an accident. Absolutely. Like, you're done. <laughs> you are literally done. It's very literally frustrating. Done. So I have a um, presentation that I give. Um, this okay. is kind of what I've been working on. And it's called Little Footers, The Next Generation. And what that is, is educating Bigfoot researchers of today about how we need to be including the kiddos in in our in our thoughts about Bigfoot research. We need to be training them on how to research correctly, how to use the scientific method, how to collect evidence, how to go out into nature and be aware of their surroundings to track, to document the flora and fauna of their area. Because none of us are going to live forever, right? So if we solve this mystery tomorrow, well, then 
it turns to conservation needs, right? We have to hand over our documentation on this species so that it can be taken care of and protected. So it doesn't stop with proven and the next generation has to carry that torch. And if we are keeping them out of the woods because we wanna keep them safe, you know, so this is, I, I actually did an interview over this recently and I got a lot of flack, not flack. I got some questions from the chat. They, they were worried about me taking my kids into the woods. And I said, you know, I'm not taking them on night ops. I'm not taking mm. them out, out into dangerous places to, um, you know, get into a dangerous situation and not be able to get out. I said, I take them um, primitive camping with me. Mm. <coughs> I'm sorry. And um, I, you know, I take them out and I introduce them to nature and we go camping and such. I said, I don't take them out on dangerous expeditions. Um, honestly, I feel safer about taking them out into the woods with me than I do taking them to the middle of downtown Tulsa at night. Okay. Yeah, you let's know? go. I mean, so you got to pick your evils, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah. but my thing is, um, you know, getting the next generation into the mindset of, of Bigfoot research. And you can actually approach it as, you know, um, you want to get your kids outdoors. You want to get them away from the screens. You want to get them outdoors, right? Mm -hmm. That's most parents' goals. Okay, a good way to do that is say hey let's go look for bigfoot that kid is going to be all over it okay and so that's your in and they're little sponges give them books about it they have so many books out now for kids and teenagers about um bigfoot there's fiction there's you mm. know nonfiction. there's tons of information out there for kids to learn about this and so you get them out they're little sponges they start wanting to learn more my kids um, when we go out, we find tracks. Well, they want to follow the tracks and see where that animal went and what it is and what it did. And it starts out like that. They hear a noise. They want to learn to identify it. They want to know what that noise was and which animal it belonged to. Um, I mean, so getting the next generation out into the woods and educating them about Bigfoot and how to look for it, how to document it, um, what you were talking about, the scientific aspect. Mm -hmm. Our next generation needs to know that. And maybe, just maybe, we can, in doing that, teach the current researchers the same thing. Um, and the biggest thing that I preach is let's teach them to be kind to each other because that's yeah, something oh current community lacks. Um, so I would like to teach <laughs> the next generation to be kind to each other, first of all, like yeah, when you're taking oh, yeah. witness reports or mm -hmm. anything. Um, be kind, but have integrity, you know. But, you know, you could do both those things. And um, as somebody that has um, been on the receiving end of the opposite of being mm -hmm. kind, um, got a few times, um, I just, you know, I was astonishing to me, actually, the vitriol. I don't want to go into any details at all, but yeah. I, I was a musician for many, many years, and that can be quite a, a caddy yes. sort of backstabbing industry. But even with that background, I was like, oof, goodness me. It's, it can be very rough. This person wants to destroy me. Yes, and yes. It was just shocking. Because I, I thought, essentially, look, you know, this is a small, uh, and I won't go into that any further, but it, this is a small uh, genre. It's, even with the, the, the maximum increase that we've seen, it's still mm -hmm. small, it's still niche. We need to have each other's back. But what I've noticed perhaps in the last two or three years, is that there is quite a group of people who are a little younger, who've come up, who yes. are being scientific, yes. who are communicating with each other and not backstabbing. They mm -hmm. don't seem to be cliquish. They're very yes. turned yes. on to the finding, to the sharing, and to yes. the open source aspect of information, which is very yes. Gen Z anyway, you know, mm -hmm. sharing, it you is. Know, tapping into it, and it's just yes. out there. If you and kindness. And kindness, kindness and um mm -hmm. in, uh, inclusiveness so gen z obviously i'm not gen z i'm i'm a little bit above that but I'm they're the all about <laughs> inclusivity i'm a millennial so um <laughs> they're all about including each yeah. other right and so i'm friends with quite a few of those younger people in the bigfoot community and uh, the cryptid community and i cannot tell you it's refreshing it's refreshing but it was um 
it was very hard. I'm very jaded. I, I was. I was very jaded and cynical by this point, right? I've been doing this for 20 years. So it's 20 years of backbiting and clicking and all of all of the nasty stuff in the Bigfoot community um, that brings us backwards instead of working together and pushing us forward together. And so I, I came across this cryptid community, these younger people. They would they would take um i would post something on night callers they would take it and share it to their to their stories and say oh go check out night callers tonight she's having a great show and i'm like you, why why would you just do that like why would you just be so kind as to do that um they would have me on their shows they would have um yeah. hey lauren's in the room tonight let's say hi she's with night callers that's a great podcast and just shout yeah. people out for no really, reason really nice. I would, be, um, and, I would be feeling the same thing. Why aren't you flagging all my content and getting me demonetized? I'm Surely like, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, <laughs> it just, it was like this inclusivity. I was in this support and like unconditional support. Like, oh, I don't okay. care. That's fine. Yeah, Let's do it. Right. So that also transferred into their research. You know, they were like, hey, I tried this. You should try that. Hey, I did this. Here's pictures. Um, there was just a lot of sharing going on that I was not used to. Um, you know, Alex Petikov and um, Alex, yeah, and Alex Eli Watson. Watson and all of that whole. Two of my favorite people. Yes, yeah. that yeah. Emily Fleur, all that whole group yeah. of people. They're a little bit younger than me. Yeah. And I see where they're taking this and the passion and kindness that they're bringing with it. Mm. And I cannot tell you how excited I am for the future mm. of Bigfoot research because of that generation bringing them up. I feel the same. And, I, you know, whatever the origination point was to this, and it's not point fingers. I think it's an environment that we've all got used to. Whereas uh, when the fighting starts, you better get your punch in first. Yes. That's what we've become used to. Whereas yes. they're not even interested in that. They're really turned on to the, um, the possibility aspect, which is what excited me in the first place. So mm -hmm. in one of the recent things, uh, sort of a tagline in my new book series was the the age of exploration is not dead. We just lost interest. Yes. And I think that's kind of what they've picked back up. They're they interested have. and they yes. know they've got great ways of of really uh, exploiting them. Um, mm -hmm. Social media ways, technological ways. Right. That's fantastic. Um, moving on from that, you did quite a few of the conferences last year. Yes. Yes. And so you face plastered everywhere, you're popping up all over the shop. How did you, I mean, did you used to do those or did I not notice that? Or is this a, a new venture for you getting back out to the conferences? It was new. Um, so I actually hadn't spoke at any before um, until mm -hmm. this past fall. I actually got to give my first presentation over the Little Footers. Wow. Um, and, you know, I, I've put them on. So I put on, um, it, it was the FOUT camp out. So I put on a conference camp out event and had people um, oh, wow. come and we didn't really have speakers though. We had a storytelling around the campfire where we encouraged the locals in the area and the guests attending the camp out to come and share their witness encounters and what, you know, because it's the Falk area. So um, Legend of Boggy Creek, yeah. um, that area. And so we encouraged people to come. So that was one event that I put on for a few years in a row. Um, now I have the Night Callers Camp Out, which is a, just a camp out. It's a, an opportunity for people, fans of Night Callers or friends, um, to just come hang out and share their witness encounters and go research and hike and, and just enjoy wow. time with me and my mom. And um, it's really fun. But the conferences, so I actually started going to the conferences just to vend. Uh, my merch or just to mm. honestly go see people. Um, and I ended up being interviewed at the conferences and I ended up, you know, um, getting to know all these different people and, and just people would, would seek me out because of night callers. Mm. And then they would share their witness encounters, which I thought was amazing. Um, I got to meet so many people. I got to meet Amy Boo at the Texas Bigfoot conference. Oh, and yeah, she's great. I cannot tell you. I'm a researcher. 
I, I fangirled mm. so hard because mm. she came up and she said, are you Lauren from Nightcallers? And I was like, I am. And she, she looked different. She had a hat on and, and I was like, I am. I was like, um, what's your name? And she was like, Amy. And I was like, <gasps> and I, I mean, I screamed, I was so excited <laughs> and I couldn't believe she knew who I was. Um, she is one of the sweetest people I've ever met in my life. And, um, so I got to meet her, one of my role models. I got to meet her and hang out with her. Um, quite a few different people like that, you know, that you meet in person, um, and you, you can finally get to know them, um, mm. and get to know, see how they are in person. I got to share a fire with a few people that I really respect. So that was awesome. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm doing a conference at the beginning of March, the Oklahoma Bigfoot Symposium. I'm doing a presentation uh -huh. okay. there. Yeah. Uh, the following week is the night colors camp out. And the week after that is the Falk camp out so and do the kids come to all these conferences yes yeah wow. so uh, my kids uh they might not be at the bigfoot symposium conference although they usually do go um dw loves having them there normally um but they will be at the camp out they'll be at the fout camp out um everybody knows that my kids um you know they pretty much go with me like they are mm. in the bigfoot family they know everybody um so for me personally uh, my Bigfoot people are extended family to me. Some of them are closer to me than my blood relations. And so my kids know these people. And when mm. I'm out, you know, in the field, these people treat my kids like their own, you know, they're very protective over them. They, they try to take them aside and teach them amazing things. My kids have learned so many bushcrafting techniques wow. from people and all kinds <laughs> of things. Um, they're very welcome, you know, but like I said, I do, I do keep them safe if it's a night ops situation or a semi-dangerous situation. Course, yeah. They're and not going to be out there. You're responding <laughs> yeah. to this, this comments again. You know, people, yeah. um, there's a lot of gotcha sort of sentiment in today's mm -hmm. society because of the easiness with social media. You can say, oh, there's that girl there. Let's just yeah. punch her up a little bit now. I can, I, yeah. I, I, I found a, you know, a little chink in the armor. I'll stick something in there. Of course, you're a good mother. You're not out there risking your children. Oh, it, I'm sure it, you're well prepared. And even if it's in the daytime, absolutely. you have bears in your area, don't you? You have bears, wolves hogs, in your area. I'm big sure cats. you're you're armed when you go out, I right? Know. So yes. exactly. So what's the difference? You know, bears, I, big I, cats, um, wild hogs, going and a steal, They think they're going to steal and eat my children. Okay, so this and, is and those four animals, that's probably the safest one you can be around. I feel that. I feel yeah. that that species is more nurturing than harmful, especially towards women and children. Exactly. I don't think that they're big, furry, you know, teddy bear giants. No. Like, I, I'm not going to walk up and I'll try to pet them. one. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't feel as threatened by them as yeah. I would a big cat, a hog, mm -hmm. um, you know, bears, coyotes, um, you know, for the most part, honestly, I will tell you, I feel more threatened by a person of under the subs under the influence of a substance in the woods. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Rather than an animal. But does that I, happen? I, absolutely. It does. Absolutely. So unfortunately, especially around Tulsa, uh, yeah. especially around a lot of places that I research, Unfortunately, the woods are a great place to get away from mankind and mm. find Bigfoot. It's also a great place to get away from law enforcement and do illegal substances. So oh. the, and I found that this is not just an issue in Oklahoma. I was talking to a friend of mine from Washington and mm. um, he was asking why I don't research around the Tulsa area. And I said, unfortunately, the best places to mm. research around Tulsa are also the best places to do drugs and bury bodies. I said, wow. so I, or dump bodies. I said, so I don't feel comfortable going to those places alone because riffraff hang out there that are up to no good. If they're out on a yeah. road at two or three in the morning, I have to wonder if they're up to no good or are they looking for Bigfoot? Because it's 50-50, you know, they could, they I could know. be. I would say, I mean, I'm definitely in favor of you steering clear of areas right. where bodies may be dumped. <laughs> yes, you know. Um, I mean, that's always bears. a red flag for me. That's <laughs> yeah. that's a big, that's a biggie. You know? <laughs> but that is something that happens um, really? pretty much across the United States. My friend in Washington, he said a lot of people who use methamphetamines are out on those old those mountain oh, yeah, roads. Sure. No, I, I meant and... like the, the sort of the the burying murder victims part part of it. I yes. mean, I didn't realize this was such a um, a common occurrence. It is. 
It is. Wow. Um, there are so any Bigfoot researcher you talk to um, has probably had a run in with someone doing something illegal out there wow. while, you know, um, I've had friends that were chased off um, because mm -hmm. there was a meth lab and they were oh, they were okay. on this back road looking, you know, they found okay. an awesome Bigfoot spot on Google Maps and they're like, we're mm -hmm. going to go check it out. They okay. get there and it's a meth lab or it's a marijuana grow or, you okay. know, an illegal marijuana grow because they're yeah. legal here in Oklahoma now uh -huh. and licensed. Um, but we have the the illegal cartel grows and such. So you it, you have to be very careful when you go out in the woods. Wow. So those situations are the ones I would not bring my children into. Sure, sure. You have cartel people there property. in Oklahoma? Yeah. Um, do what? I'm sorry. You have cartel gangs there in Oklahoma? Yes. Yeah. Wow. So Arkansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, um, the cartel fly drugs into these places and then disperse them to other states. Wow. This is um, this is serious. The whole drug thing. I mean, I've I've never really been into that. I was, I was a musician for years. My friends did all these different things. <laughs> One of the things we used to talk about quite frequently, and I used to talk about as an objection, is that you know the, the crime that's associated with providing you with those substances regardless mm -hmm. of what you think if it's okay to smoke weed or or mm -hmm. do whatever or not right the surrounding crime that brings that drug to you that's yes. the stuff you're sort of supporting that's really it's it's horrifying yeah. now you know with marijuana being legal in oklahoma um you can go to a store and buy mm -hmm. your marijuana or your edibles or whatever and you can Go home and safely do that and nobody is really mm. harmed you know yeah, um sure. i you know that's okay but the other illicit substances you know sure. there's there's not a great it's not it's not cupcakes and gravy for those but oh, um a lot of people don't know that it affects bigfoot research so much and it does that one has um, a clue absolutely there's you know there's that movie on amazon prime i believe um it's about the 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 marijuana grows in California. Okay. Bobo's in it. Uh, Bobo Faye's in it. And um, but basically, it, you think it's about Bigfoot, but it turns out it's it's really not. And it kind of mocks Bigfoot. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Matt of Bigfoot Crossroads. He and I um, did an episode over that, and it, we watched it and reviewed it for everybody. Mm. And it's it's kind of stupid, but um, but you know yeah, there's. But it, it the 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 drugs and and stuff like that it does affect Bigfoot research more than people know unfortunately. That's um that's so strange and one of the things that we forget here in the UK actually is that yes we have a lot in common but we are two very very different countries. Yes. Really yeah. different. Yeah. And it, it just it, it, although things have you know perhaps grown a little more choppy a little more dangerous here in recent years there's yes. really no comparison with crime. No, yeah, um, yeah. Like London's a pretty good place to get stabbed. Now I joke sometimes if I have to go and have a meeting in one of the dangerous areas in London, but usually I stop stab myself before I go, so they know I've already been done oh when I goodness. get there. You know, but it's, <laughs> it's a joke. It's a risk. Right. But it's not really a risk for me because I'm not in a gang right. or anything. So that's yeah. where you get that that kind of problem. And if somebody wants to mug me, they can just have the stuff. Right. Take it. I'm not in a big risk thing, but I'm unlikely to be um accidentally shot right or anything right. like that it's not gonna happen basically it's the uk right. it's we're not there yet we're I, not okay but we're not uh, there yet i hope you'll never get to the point to where we are to where all of you know in the city you expect crime you expect mm. to not be able to walk down an alleyway without watching your back you know okay. when you go out into nature you expect um if you pull up to the end of a road and you get out of your vehicle, you might expect a big animal to attack mm. you or some, you know, you're looking over your shoulder for that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have pulled up to the end of a dead end road and there were a couple cars and a couple of hooligans hanging outside their cars um, in the middle of the winter without shirt, without jackets on, um, <laughs> acting shady one of them chased my vehicle we had to turn around and like drive wow. off really fast it was absolutely terrifying it, it they were it was terrifying it reminded me of um of um the zombie movie with will smith it, it reminds me of oh, that i legend 
Yes, I am legend. That's one of my favorites. Oh, okay. the name. Um, it reminded me of that movie, the way this bald man came running after us with no coat on in the middle of winter. And he's just like taking off after the truck. And I was just like, because I thought they were stuck at first, like maybe yeah. their vehicle was stuck or something. Or, you know, I figured someone would be like, hey, help. Something. You're getting your neighborly head on ready to help. No. Nope. Yeah. He um, chased the vehicle and was like, it was utterly terrifying. Wow. And this is the kind of stuff that you find on dead end roads in the middle of nowhere when you're trying to look for Bigfoot. <laughs> so because these guys want privacy, clearly, you know. So this is probably privacy. another meth thing. This is what you're talking about here. Probably another so. Meth yes. operation. Yeah. Just standing out in I don't know much about meth, but I'm assuming if you're standing out in winter <laughs> topless, you're there, a meth head. Uh, or you know something i there's something going on that okay. probably you know anyway so these are the kind of challenges okay. we face yeah. here are um so when people are like oh aren't you scared of hogs and mountain lions and bears and i'm like no as much as people <laughs> not as much as people i am 10 times more terrified of a person oh. driving up to my camp or walking up to my camp than I am any creature that can come mm. into my camp. Any creature. Because animals are predictable. They have predictable are, behaviors. They are. Yeah. You know, yeah. the the my a big fear of mine obviously is a, a mountain lion coming into my camp or dropping down from a tree because humans, mm. we don't look up. It's just not a thing we do and much to our detriment, right? Um, that's a big fear of mine, but it's not as big of a fear as somebody on two legs and i i had an experience so i um a, a little like a couple hours from my home uh there's a research group near that i i hang out with and go mm -hmm. research with they had an amazing little piece of property it's public land but it, it was it's rocks mm -hmm. and ridges and boulders and it's right okay. on a river it's gorgeous so I decided I was going to go do a solo camp out with me and my dog. And I was going to go research it and just camp mm. out for the weekend. So I hike up, I get my bag, I get my hammock, my dog, and I hike, I park at the end of the road. And then I hike up these ridges. And I was like, you know what? This is my first solo. I think I'm going to camp a little closer to the car. Mm. So I hike back and I'm about three ridges up. So I'm way above my car on the backside of a ridge. And I put my my tent or my uh, hammock and my tarp and all of that. I set it up uh, in between some boulders so you couldn't mm. really see my fire, right? I wanted to stay hidden. I didn't really want anyone knowing I was up there alone. Yeah. Uh, just a woman and her 15-pound dog. Um, so I, I made my dinner. I hiked around. I had a great night. I was laying in my hammock and I was thinking to myself later, I was just like, oh my goodness, like this is amazing. I was like, this is so addictive. Like I want to mm. do this all the time. I want to camp by myself and research by myself. I felt like I was gonna have more activity actually that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, I laid there, I listened to the coyotes all night, the owls. Um, I had a raccoon bumble through camp and get startled and run away, you know. Um, my dog would alert, you know, and and, he did bark at the raccoon. He barked mm. and scared the raccoon off. Um, and I was laying there and it was about three or four in the morning. I wake up to this awful noise. Just, I thought a Bigfoot had pushed a tree over when I mm. woke up to this noise. Um, like it sounded like a, a, a big crack noise and then a tree falling noise, you know, in, in my head. Mm. And so I'm laying there and I'm holding my dog and I'm like, oh my gosh, here it goes. I'm like, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Bigfoot's here. They're pushing over trees. All right. You know, let's get ready, boys. Here we go. I was so excited. And then the gun shot started. Um, oh. Just uh, a whole bunch of gunshots. I heard tires being popped. Um, and I'm laying there at this point, terrified. My dog is trying to lunge out of the hammock and I'm holding him as tight as I can without suffocating him. And I'm shaking. I am head to toe seizing at this point, shaking so hard. I was terrified. Um, I was scared to make any noise. Wow. And I realized belatedly at that point that the, I, I thought these people are vandalizing my vehicle. 
right? I thought that they were shooting mm. at my car and popping the tires and I was terrified. And I don't know how many there were. I don't know who. And I hear walking. I hear them walking down below my ridge where I'm at and they're walking on the leaves down there. And I'm like, oh my God. About that time I realized, what if they come looking for the owner of that car? Mm. And so then I'm, I'm shaking even harder and I'm like, I, I'm not going to sit here and be a sitting duck. I kept waiting for headlamps to, mm. you know, come over the top of my tarp. And I'm like, I'm not going to be a sitting duck. I, I refuse to go out that way. And so I put my boots on and I had my gun and my headlamp. I kept it off and I was laying there just kind of with my feet over either side of my hammock. And I was just like ready that if I saw headlamps, I was going to grab my dog and go up on the boulder above my mm. camp. And I was going to pick them off one by one because I'm not going to be a sitting duck, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, sure. Um, so I'm laying there. I'm holding my dog. And I grab my phone. I had no service out there. I was in the middle of nowhere. I grab my phone. I have one bar. And I'm like, okay. So I text my friend DW. And I said, DW, there are people shooting out here. Uh, it's really late in the evening or late at night, early morning. I said, they are obviously up to no good. I said, can you, um, please call the sheriff? And, uh, he instantly, it shows red and he texts back and he said, I'm on my way. And I was like, and he said, call the sheriff. I'm on my way. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank God. Like I was, <laughs> I was going to tough it out till morning, but I was terrified. So, um, I laid there for a little bit, just listening because I just knew I was going to hear footsteps walking up mm. to my camp. Um, because I just, in my head, it was these, these people that knew these Hills and they knew exactly where I was. It was terrifying. My dog, the whole time had been trying to lunge out of the mm. hammock. All of a sudden he's snoring and I'm like, really? And I am listening and I don't hear anything anymore. And so, uh, finally I get a text and DW, um, texts me and he said, Hey, he said, the sheriff wants you to come on down. So I get my dog, I get my gun and I hike down this, these mm. ridges, you know, um, there's frost on everything. It was like 20 degrees oh. and there's frost on everything. It was really pretty, <laughs> but I'm shaking. I get down there. The sheriff, um, I guess had told DW had tried to come down there and they said, you can't go down there right now. And he's like, my friend is down there. Mm. And they, he was like, unless one of you gets out of your vehicle and walks, he's like, she's not coming out of the woods. She's not stupid. And so they, they came down, they were walking in front of the truck and they came up to me and asked me who I was and everything. And they were like, um, you know, you were right. There was a vehicle vandalized, but it wasn't yours. Apparently so they had stolen a brand new GMC pickup, brought it down to that location, blew it up and shot at it. And right below the ridge, I decided to camp on. And um, I told them, I said, well, I have a recording of all of this. I'm a wildlife researcher. And I had my audio recorder going the whole time. And they were like, you got video of this? And I was like, audio so with the re voice recorder you know like mm. <laughs> I had to explain it to them and they were just like so uninterested they were like eh, mm. that's fine it doesn't matter which yeah. i guess you know it wouldn't yeah. have helped yeah, but well, um send it down to voice analysis right and get them into the sheriff's <laughs> right? office um so they left and well not before saying a woman should not be camping out there by herself mm. um and so my friend dw came and i sat in his car and kind of had an adrenaline let down and then um he left the, the drop about, is very very it, steep it's harsh it, it was i um i kind of realized you know how close that was and mm. i um he waited till daybreak waited for me to go break camp and then he left and i crawled into the back of my car with my dog i locked the doors and i turned the heater on and i slept for an hour because i had that mm. adrenaline crash um but it it was it was terrifying. And I had, I had PTSD after that. Um, yeah. I first of all went home and I was married at the time and I had played that recording for my then husband and he, um, he listened to it. He's like, that's crazy. And he was cooking dinner at the time and he had a bowl of rice in the microwave mm. and one of the, it popped. And when it popped, I hit the deck. I, I, it was like Vietnam for me. I was like, oh my gosh. And I hit the deck and he's like, are you okay? He's like, you scared me. He said, cause it hit me in the neck when I opened it. He said, and I thought I got shot anyway. So, but after that, 
you know, all joking aside, after that, if I was camping out in a, you know, out in the woods in a tent or a hammock and I heard a car, I immediately started shaking. I would be terrified. I couldn't sleep the rest of the night because I thought someone was driving Mm -hmm. up on my camp and was up to no good. And so whenever someone's like, are you scared of Bigfoot? I'm like, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's comforting to know that it's a creature versus a human. Yeah. Which is and look, sad. hey, you know, we can't even find this thing and you think it's going to just come out of the woods yeah. and take me away. Yeah. No way. It's Look, the people aspect, yeah, it's 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 always worrying. It's a different environment. And I know researchers that have been you know, in places in Central South America, Papua New Guinea and so on and so forth, right. and actually come to real yes. possible life-threatening conflict or at least uh, confrontation. Yes. Mm-hmm. with locals there people running yes. drugs and you know growing things and, and whatever else is going on it's a big risk and um yeah. you know well done to you for but for, for getting ready to to pick everybody up <laughs> I mean, it was a real rambo situation like, i really believe this lady was gonna pick them off individually i was i was yeah. prepared to go full sarah connor on mm-hmm. everybody like wow. i i already had the location picked out and I was going to pick every one of them off until I got free of that situation. And well, it was, yeah, it was them you. or me and I've got good babies you. at home that need their mama. Absolutely. That's all there is to it. Um, but you know, it's, uh, back to, um, people think they're going to come out of the woods and eat them. You know, I have been growled at before by mm. what I think is a Bigfoot, and it was terrifying. Mm. Absolutely. My fight or flight kicked in and I had to grab the bottom of my seat that I was sitting in and pull my bottom down into the seat so that I would not get up and run and leave my mother there to be eaten. Right. (laughs) Um, I had I had to physically restrain myself from running and I've had a lot of encounters with them where I was spooked by them. Mm. Usually a spooked situation is about all they have to employ to get you to leave them Mm. alone. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get you to leave their area. Um, The, the situations where they are violent, I I really feel like for the most part, not every situation, obviously, but for the most part, I feel like those are territorial situations or Mm. they're backed into a corner. They feel threatened. You're threatening their food source. You're threatening their family. Those are the situations that I feel warrant those violent, you know, episodes. Yeah. You're coming very close to a family group, Mm -hmm. basically. You don't realize that you're there. And I think that, you know, this, this, this bluff uh, aspect, the bluff charge common to many apes. Yes. I believe that these creatures, their bluff charge is more akin to that of a gorilla than a mm-hmm. chimp. You yeah. know, a, a chimp that's half your size will tear your arms off. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yes. uh, they're awful creatures, terrible, cute, but terrible. Animals. Eat your face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas yeah. a gorilla, you know, this is a gentle giant essentially. And, right. and not many it's, people have been beaten to death by gorillas. If any, it's a lot of know. show. It's, it's a, a lot, lot of show. The, the possibility the ability and uh, is there and who knows it could happen but i right. all of the stories i hear even the, the most terrifying ones the creature always stops short of any any harm even in places like australia where they seem to be a little more aggressive and people have been maybe hit or um you know, pushed to the ground or something they've mm-hmm. never been killed they've never been seriously right. injured this creature has just right um said get out of here don't like mm-hmm. you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like I mean, I, I think there definitely could, you know, the missing 411 where, yeah. you know, people have gone missing. You know, I think there definitely. A lot of things out there that could make you go missing. You've just talked about things. several of them. Yeah. Yes. Mountain lines can take you up Come a tree on. and you'll never be found or take you into a den and you'll. There every time. So I, I just, I think that if there were a situation, you know, of course, um, the Sasquatch is a an animal. It's a species of animal that if they're hungry enough, you know, or let's say they're sick and, you know, there are some animals that aren't quite right after they become ill. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, of course there are going to be situations like that, but I just really feel for the most part, this is what I tell people that um, they're going to steal your babies and eat them. And I tell them, you know, 
Sasquatch's main objective in every single thing that they do, every movement they make, everything they do, their main objective is to not be seen, to not mm. get caught. So for them to take your baby and eat it, that's going to get a lot of unwanted attention whenever they could just walk away. Um, now, to counter that devil's advocate, the sightings of them um, running out in front of a car or being seen on the side of the road, I don't know. I don't know if they're distracting the driver from their family over here. I, I don't know. Um, but most of the time, their main objective is just to be as elusive as possible. So, you know, eating you or your babies is, is just not... It doesn't jive with yeah, what they normally from an do. That allegedly has family, close family groups. One of the yeah. things that the road crossings actually, maybe I could get your opinion on this, is mm-hmm. have you noticed when you're driving at night with other animals, deer and other animals, if they're near the road when you approach mm-hmm. the car, they almost have an instinct to run across and not wait, right. almost as if the time is running out for them to pass you. So the approach of your car and the approach of your lights triggers this flight response right makes the animal dash across the road. i've seen that with deer i've seen it with, right. with other creatures as well i wonder if it's the same for them perhaps not sure i just know so many of those that i hear mm. they're you know it would be nothing for them to step back into the woods and disappear mm. um you know most of the time they're so good at hiding because they're so still um with humans movement is how we notice anything right mm. um because we don't have very good senses of anything else. Um, so that movement is like, oh, hey, there's a spider. Oh, hey, there's a snake. Mm-hmm. Um, so on it, but I think at night during those road crossings, being still might not even help them if they're in a ditch or on the road because mm-hmm. you can plainly see it's right yeah. there. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's it. Maybe they feel like, but I, I, you know, still even then, like, why cross the road? Right? Why not run right back into the woods? Yeah. 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 I don't know. But um, I, I, you know, for 20 years, I've wanted that to be my first sighting, just to have my headlights go across one. And I'm like, oh, there it is. Yeah. And then be done and be like, yes, I know now. I'm a knower for sure. It was right there. It didn't, I didn't have to smell it. I didn't have to pee my pants. I'm excited. There's a Bigfoot. Okay, all is well. I hear about the peeing <laughs> the pants thing. That's apparently a common reaction. Yeah. Is it? Um, I have never heard of anybody doing it, but I am 85% sure that that will be my reaction, that there will be a release of something. <laughs> Pretty sure <laughs> at this point. Um, <laughs> I, I would like to say, no i but i'm i'm um yeah maybe yeah i mean i'm i'm oddly for somebody that lives in the uk i'm terrified of bears absolutely terrified of bears really because i'm terrified of an animal that can run as fast as a horse can swim and can yes. climb and smell me from a mile away and um yes. you know sort of pound me to the ground without any resistance whatsoever right. even if i'm armed um, so, which I probably wouldn't be because I'm British and I don't have a gun here. So why <laughs> yeah. are they going to give me a gun there if I just rock up for a, a couple of weeks? Right. And yeah, so I'm, I'm terrified of bears. But something like that, I think being face to face, it's an animal. Like I say, it's in that, as an individual, it has that right. same decision making capacity as you. Mm-hmm. you know, does it attack? Does it run away? Does right. it stare at you for 20 seconds? You mm-hmm. don't know. I'm sure. Uh, your body might make that decision for you before you ever decide <laughs> what you, you should do. And the body says run. And how do you know? Because you just feed your pants. And right. You, you know, and I think that I would, you know, I'm not, I'm sure most people don't fess up to that. I would readily fess up to that. I would really? gladly tell my, you know, 10,000 subscribers that I have, yeah. I would happily tell them. I will be honest, y'all, I peed my pants because I feel that that <laughs> lends to the credibility of the story yeah, because absolutely. I've been in, in a lot of situations with Bigfoot, which I've been spooked. Mm. Some I've been downright terrified, mm. ready to get the hell out of there. But I have kept control of my mm. faculties at, at yeah. all of these situations. So I feel like when that happens, if that happens, um, I would readily admit to that because I would be like, hey, I never peed my pants when it growled at me. I never peed my yeah. pants when it when it um, belly crawled at me and scared the peas out of me. But this sighting, locking eyes with this thing and seeing how much bigger it is and, and that yeah. this 
you know, magnificent, humongous creature that could literally mm. just pinch my head like a grape. I saw this with my own eyes and locked eyes with it. And my body did the rest. I mean, I would admit ah. to that. I would. I would like to think that I wouldn't tell everybody, but I do have a sort of a tell disposition. And <laughs> I think I would just probably start telling without even wanting to. That's that's just yeah. been the story of my life. No I, detail. Yeah. First person I would call is my mother, and I would be like, Mom, um, so uh, I have to tell you, I saw a Bigfoot, and I also <laughs> may or may not have soiled my britches. This is <laughs> a thing. Um, she's had, I think, five confirmed sightings and has okay. not soiled herself once. So, but she it. seems really old school, you know, she and um, <laughs> lived out there in the woods too, right, for a long time. She, she's I think a, if you live yeah. out in the woods by yourself for a long time, your yeah. fear, you've already seen everything you should be afraid of and you're right. cool now you've got it down she's been through some stuff you know she was a rodeo clown at one point in her life for a little wow. bit like she's faced a bull you know like i a feel rodeo like rodeo clown yes that's amazing so when i first left such... school i was a church organ tuner were you <laughs> <laughs> see these things that people don't know about us that's um, so weird <laughs> my mom my mom has always been a very dynamic creature and she's been a mm. everything from a rodeo clown to a paranormal researcher to a oh, bigfoot wow. researcher to um she okay. used to race cars on a dirt track at one point yeah. in her life like you know That's this is amazing. um she's truly an amazing woman and i've been very blessed to have been raised weird um under her and so that i am very open-minded to a lot of things and yeah have now uh, made this this career, I guess. It's not a hobby for me, it's a passion um, in looking for this creature and now training my kids in looking for this creature. And I have to tell you, one of my favorite things about my kids is they don't believe in Bigfoot. My, my eldest son is 10 years old and he mm. will tell you, he is very skeptical. He will tell mm. you straight up, I don't believe in Bigfoot until it's proven to me. Um, he's the first one to debunk photos for me. Um, he's wow. the first one. He is he is literally a walking National Geographic narrator. He mm -hmm. can tell you what any animal is by the sound, by the look, by the track. Um, any fish, any form of wildlife. Mm -hmm. um, he's just amazing. And he wow. is growing up to be a Bigfoot researcher and be out in the field collecting all this data and and solve, maybe solving this mystery. Skeptical as well, which is great. Yes. Yes. My oldest, she's like, there's no way. Nessie, Bigfoot, all of these silly monsters you believe in don't exist. Yeah. And the youngest one, who's six, is like, a mermaid's real. And I look at the other one, I say, no, they're not real. And as the older one turns away, I say, they're real. <laughs> she's like, great. <laughs> yes, I love it. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> I love it. Mm, she really yeah. wants to come and look for Nessie and, and some other things. And, uh, it, it's just wonderful it's wonderful because it's it's fun it's fun mm -hmm. for them and it's fun for me too and i think that's one of the things that's missing sometimes we have to remember again yes that it's fun well and we also have to remember that um children are little sponges and so it's monkey see monkey do um one of the the people in that chat room had commented um and they were a great chat by the way they were very supportive very kind um they did have you know one of them did have feedback about that you know a little pushback and he had said you know um how do you take them out to the woods and you know they're going to be scared and i was like not if you're not scared um, if you are terrified to be in the woods and you act scared of every twig snap and every noise, then of mm. course they're going to be scared. If you tell them that Bigfoot is going to eat them, of <laughs> course they're going to be scared. But if you tell them that Bigfoot is an animal like any other animal mm. and you show respect and you gather all the knowledge you can about their habitat and that situation and how to defend yourself if that should happen, you will be fine. I go yeah. out in the woods, even though I'm scared of mountain lions and hogs and all that, um, because I respect them mm. as creatures that can eat me. Um, and I respect their habitat and I know their habitat and their, um, their habits, their routines. Like I know that, you know, if I go to a good watering hole where there's a lot of deer and water, I'm more likely to see something that's going to want to eat those deer <laughs> and drink yeah, that water. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's just, I think you have to know your surroundings and the things that live there um, mm. and show respect of, you know, mankind. 
we're really bad about thinking that we're at the top of the food chain. Um, and walking into the woods with that attitude, you know, like I live here and I rule this area and you have to show respect for mother nature because it deserves it. And it will quickly mm. show you why it deserves it. If you give it oh, a chance. Gosh. Yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely. So, um, just, I know I've kept you of the hour already, but I just okay. wanted to get your opinion on other types of other species of Bigfoot. Mm. Now, of course, you know, we have this, this big man-ape type, the mm -hmm. Sasquatch Bigfoot North America, but there are possibly other similar types around the mm -hmm. world, like a wild man type, like a, a little foot type, like a more of an ape type, like the Yeti. Right. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think they're all actually regional variations of the one animal, or do you think we're looking at three or four different related species here? You know, I couldn't lend, um, I, I really couldn't say. I haven't done enough research on the different species. Um, you know, I've heard some great theories over the years um, about, you know, all the way back to Pangea and how, you know, oh, yeah, whenever wow. everything broke, uh, yeah, no, whenever everything yeah. broke up, um, different humans became, you know, all of us became culturally different and, mm -hmm. um, people from Africa look very different from people from the UK for the most part. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's kind of how I think about it is those Bigfoot, even in the United States, in the different areas in Florida, they're going to be smaller and they're going to be more, they're more aggressive and they're more wiry. Um, I think that's a lot like people in Florida also. <laughs> and then you have the gentle giants of Washington and then you have um, Alabama and that area, they're more aggressive. And then you have East Texas, they're just hanging out, they're chill. Um, mm. In different areas we have, you know, even in the same area, my mother had a sighting, her first sighting, the Bigfoot was seven, eight foot tall, and he was tall and slim, like a basketball mm. player, but he was thick, like he he was, yeah. you know, you know, well built, muscular, but, uh, yeah. yeah, but he was black. And then the next time she saw one in that same area, it was a short, reddish colored one, and he had a beer belly on him, like, yeah, big old belly, and he was kind of walked like a ape, you know? And um, so that was in the same geographical area. Yeah. There was two completely different kind. In Arkansas, um, there have been long um, coated red ones. And then I've heard uh, stories of completely gray. My mother has seen a gray one. He's completely silvery gray from head to toe. Um, you know, there's just so many different variations. And I, I, I don't know. I just don't know enough about that to yeah. give any actual uh thoughts on it other than observations that i've collected over my years of interviewing all these people so oh, no, absolutely I, I think that makes sense as well the kind of uh, individual variability in the sense of you know mm -hmm. you look physically different to your best friend and your, your right. sibling and your father and your mother and i do well, to the man who lives next door and the man next right. to him right well, yeah, the, you think of all humans Think of any species. Um, the yeah. deer in Oklahoma are large. Like we have very large deer here. And then you go to East Texas where there's more trees, they're smaller. Okay. Um, so, I mean, just like any species that you um, have, dogs, how many different kinds of dogs are there? Um, 50, I think. There's a yeah. lot. And yeah. then mixes, yeah. interbreeding, um, yeah. interbreeding with humans, interbreeding, you know. So there's there's a lot of different reasons, I feel, that there could be so many variations of the same species. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it always trips me out to think that a wolf and a chihuahua are essentially the same species. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I look at thing. my dog in there acting like he is literally going to expire if I don't fill that food bowl. And I'm like, your ancestors would be so disappointed in you right now. Or eat you if they found you in the woods. Um, just before we, we just let everybody know where they can find you, where they can find Nightcrawlers, how they can get involved and, and right. uh, support your work. So Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio, you can find me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and if you go to any of those places, you can pretty much find a link to any of the other places, uh, my merch store, anything like that. And um, I do a show every other Wednesday live. And this Wednesday, I have David Wilbanks on. He's another Bigfoot researcher from Oklahoma, actually. And he's written a few books. So I'm kind of eager to talk to him about his experiences here, if he's run into any methods. Um, I'm sure he has. 
And um, on the off Wednesdays, because we have been going for a very long time, as you said, um, on the off Wednesdays, we have the old show back 300 episodes ago. We are putting the old episodes up oh, wow. um, because for historical value, because mm, the absolutely. the content within those episodes, this is back before we had Finding Bigfoot and mm. and YouTube and all of that. So these are these are really good information in there. And I'll it's kind of back to out. our roots. Mm. Um, you're going to be featured soon, I'm sure, oh, wow. uh, because <laughs> you're one of the older episodes. Um, so anyway, you can you can find my show, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, any of those things. And as I said, I will be um, I, I post any interviews that I do for other people um, as a guest. I, I post those on Nightcallers as well. So you can check those out. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. As mm. always, it's just a pleasure. And um, it was very revealing. And I think we can agree. <laughs> And one thing at least, which is that we will both soil ourselves should we come face to face with Bigfoot. That's the takeaway for tonight. Thank you so much for having me Thank on. You. It's an honor bye -bye. to be here. <laughs> All right. Bye. Isabel.